Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Well, welcome to A Deeper Dive. I'm Mark Presley, and this week we have the special privilege. If you joined us last week, we had Ryan Two, who preached a great message from Romans 15. But this week we have Ben Purvis, who also preached a great message. Now, we'll get to know Ben a little bit more, but Ben just recently joined our staff. Uh, I think the strongest man on our staff is our maintenance guy named David Rice. But Ben has the, at least the look that he might be the second strongest man. I'd like to see an arm wrestling championship. Don't laugh at that, uh, Ben. But Ben, uh, welcome to the podcast with us. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, appreciate you letting me be here. And we uh, have been going through Romans the whole semester, actually the whole year. We will finish up Romans. Actually, if you've been following along, you can go to firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Anytime to catch up on any of those sermons. But our last sermon in Romans, I think ever, no, just kidding. Uh, Sam isn't here to make fun of on that part. But our last sermon in Romans will be next week. We hit the doxology, as many a person calls it. Uh, in Romans 16, I believe 24, Ben took us Romans 16, 1 through 23. Again, if you will like, uh, subscribe, all the things you would do to this podcast, share it for us. Uh, I know we have a good quality amount of listeners each week, but let's just take a minute and get to know Ben Purvis, our newest staff member. And Ben, uh, why don't you start us out before we kind of get to know you a little deep, take a little deeper dive on your life, your personal life, all those kind of things. Why don't you recap the sermon for us? Well, sure. Um, the The biggest thing that I want to, to say is, number one, I still think that Sam's playing a prank on me by giving me the text that we had, because <laughs> on the onset, that was one of the more difficult passages for me to walk through when you think through, first off, 23 verses, and then secondly, over 20 names that are mentioned. Uh, and we will get to this in a moment, but I'm from Alabama, so therefore I don't say words good sometimes. Um, but no, so but but the whole idea as I jumped into the sermon, really looking into what the text is teaching, what really stuck out to me was this whole idea of of what we learn about community. And so, um, as any good Baptist message should be, there needs to be alliteration uh, to make it official. And so, my main point in the sermon was for Christian community to be experienced, it must be pursued, provided, and protected. And so we just kind of walk through where we see that in the verses and how that ma- how that applies to what we do today at the Church of First McKinney. And if, if you missed it, what he's talking about is literally those passages. It's a bunch of greetings to people. I love what you said at the very first of your sermon. Uh, these are real people with real problems, and it's a real letter. And it's the part of that passage we forget sometimes because these are books in a Bible um, that they're actually, le- they were letters, uh, letter to the Romans. And he gets in there and he's actually greeting all these people, and you did well. I think the people actually applauded you. Uh, First time that's ever happened. <laughs> correct. As you read through name after name after name, a lot of greetings. Actually, I was doing some research for the podcast too, and it's like he greets each one of those people, very positive in saying that, um, in doing that. And, and he walked us through that. Again, the way you submit questions to this podcast is 
text question 96123. And we got a few of those coming in from your sermon um, and want to walk through those, but just want to commend you that it was a good job. Now, thank be, you. before we get further, I did want to kind of behind the scenes, move the curtain back, see the wizard behind the, uh, whatever the right phrase is there. I can never say those right. But how was it preaching for the first time at First McKinney? Man, it was a blast. I, what folks don't understand is that was a big moment for me because I legitimately had a th- have had the thought for a while that I would not have an opportunity to ever get to do that again. Uh, so for me, there was a, a fair amount of emotional and mental anguish, if you will, that I sort of exercised in the first uh, 915 service that we did, um, because it was almost a, a moment for me of, of just a reminder of God's promises. So for me to have the opportunity, not only the opportunity to do that, but to have a, a handful of friends come up, for me personally, was just a huge uh, moment that I enjoyed. Um, now, as far as preaching at First McKinney, I made the, the comment, that was the first time I've ever gone with two sermons back-to-back, you know, teaching at two services, and I completely underestimated how tired I would be doing that. And so by the end of that second service, I was just done. Um, Yeah. So I was tired. It it is. uh, So I do some teaching in the youth. I've actually preached in the same pulpit, too, and you don't realize it's different than a talk you would give in life group or a talk you would do somewhere else. There's just so much behind it. Uh, and you feel that pressure because you are being God's spokesman for the day, that it is that second service that gets you. And it's not that there's not energy in there. It's just you have to keep going. And people don't realize that until you get in the pulpit and you you try to do that. Now, how did you prepare? We If, if you've never walked with me, if Sam and I haven't talked about this, he kind of walks through Monday and he sets it up. And Sam will actually do like four versions of his sermon throughout the week and send them to different people and get them checked and check facts and all that. How did you prepare for this? Oh, man, that's a great question. Thankfully, I had about a month to prepare. And so I imagine for the first week, I just read the, the, the passage. Once I knew that there were all of the a bunch of names, on the one hand, I wanted to get familiar with those names. Of course, I wanted to be able to say them correctly, but wanted to get familiar to what was happening in the passage and then start so it was in that sitting and just reading the passage for, again, probably a good week before I really started having different things that jumped out of me as we were praying, as I was praying through, what does God want me to, to share? And so you, to me, it became, it took me about a, one week of reading, about another week of outlining what do I see, and then a week of writing, and then about a week of sort of massaging on it. So the fact that Sam can do this, you know, weekly, uh, it's, it's pretty tremendous. And for me, preaching is not the same as teaching. And so usually when I teach, I like to have a level of interaction that you don't necessarily get. On the other hand, I wanted to, you always want the first time you do something to be done well. And so for me, I, I had a much stricter manuscript that I stuck to. Um, so I, I had a couple of buddies that I reached out to. One is a friend of mine who actually teaches... Greek exegesis of Roman at a seminary, and so he gave me some notes, but then also some just general preaching tips as I was making my outline, so I knew what my word count needed to be to get close to the time of making sure I didn't go over. Yeah, and you didn't do your 
to make fun of it, you're Alabama, and you didn't <laughs> slow it down. You kept a good pace, just if I critique all that, all the things I would do if I was, uh, you know, an uh, armchair quarterback, <laughs> which none, no one listening is an armchair quarterback to the sermon, ever. <laughs> ever. Um, but let me let me go down a rabbit trail, because sure. people don't know you. Uh, just to, And you talked in your sermon about your Texodus. Uh, was that, where were you coming? You were coming from Alabama, mm-hmm. and where were you going to? So yeah, so I was born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just that's, kidding. that's where home. We, we joke. We got to Texas as quick as we could, right? And so uh, that that was home for me. And uh, wait, that's Gulf Shores, isn't it? Uh huh. Oh, so you had an you didn't have ocean view where you were, but no, we were about an hour and a half away from the. That's beach. a good beach, though. It it is. Uh, we were there in April, and yes, I I miss the beach. However, the trade off is. You're a good two-hour flight in DFW from a lot of beaches. And now, so can you helpful. surf? That is a, not an important Ooh. question, but just curiosity. Oh, no. the Well, Gulf Shores Beach is, is not Correct. really built for, for surfing, maybe body surfing, but no, I, I can't. I'm not. Look at me. I'm not built for surfing. Well, I'm, I'm built for floating, so... <laughs> Um, but no, so originally from Mobile, um, I cut my teeth in ministry and student ministry. So I spent over 10 years doing that. Um, and so our Texodus was actually what our student ministry called it when we left. Um, and so I, I had been at the same church for a little over six years, saw a group of students go all the way through the ministry. Um, and I don't know when your experience, but no one ever, at least in my seminary experience, ever showed me how do you know it's time to transition out of ministry into a dip new role? I noticed for me, all my jokes in the student world were landing at the back of the room where the adults were <laughs> and not the front of the room. So what I had to do, so I began to sort of feel God calling me. And then a mutual friend connected me to Chris Havard, our executive pastor. And he was looking for a guy on the group's team. And long story short, we, we had a call with Chris Havard on a Sunday afternoon. The following Friday, we were headed to Dallas to check out uh, a church in Richardson, and we moved about two months after that. So that got you to the church in Richardson, the Heights, um, and then Chris brought, uh, came here. And then probably pretty soon we were looking for a discipleship guy. And I know your title is Young Adults and Discipleship. Probably most people out there know what a young adults guy. You're in charge of the kind of young adult life groups, small groups. You probably have some fancier words for that. But what is the discipleship part of your title? So let me clarify. His title is Young Adults and Discipleship Minister. Yeah, so before I answer that, let me back up and, and, and tell you. So the last seven years uh, at the Heights, I spent in primarily the young married world, and then in the discipleship world, and then overseeing all of our groups. And so for you know, the last seven years, it's been in this idea of young adults and discipleship from that standpoint, even if the, the title might have looked a little differently. And so for me, in what we see happening at First McKinney, one of my primary responsibilities is how do we move our church into actually fulfilling the Great Commandment? of going in, and, and, and the Great Commission of going to make disciples. And so therefore, how do we love the Lord our God? How do we love our neighbors ourselves? How do we make disciples? And that idea of intentionally being able to replicate your faith in the life of someone else, to be able to see them turn around and do that for somebody else, 
uh, is sort of the big picture idea. How that looks, I'm really learning about the culture of First McKinney and, and want that to help shape how we do it. And I will, uh, Sam's not here to discuss this, but one of the big pushes, uh, projects he has going, and, and those aren't the right words for it, um, but is this D-groups mentality that we go out there and we kind of discipleship a group and, and discipleship a group, that's not a verb, but discipleship a group. And then uh, from there, we hope that that group multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and talks about that a lot. Um, we don't have any uh, actually structured program to do it, but that's kind of what you're working towards, working on kind of that organic mm -hmm. movement of it. Absolutely. And so uh, we can, we're working through what, what we want that to look like at First McKinney, uh, but by and large, we, we just want to be found faithful when we, when we come to the end of our life and we think about what God has called us to do. Like We just want to be able to stand before, before the Lord to be found faithful. And I firmly believe that when you hear things in Scripture like love your neighbor as yourself and go make disciples, I don't think God is thinking programs as much as He's thinking people. And so... I think, Ben Purvis speaking, this is my opinion, at the end of my life, I think that the Lord is going to be asking me for not what are the programs I was involved in, but who are the people that I influenced. And uh, we got to meet one of those if you were at the Discipleship Summit, uh, which we have another one of those coming up. I don't know if your friend will be there either, but one of the things I've been impressed with, you've been here about two months? Yes. Yeah, about two months is you can see it already in just two months that he practiced what he preaches, literally, because he preached last week, but he practices what he preaches and lives it out, and he does seek to disciple. He's been discipled, and he's seeking to pass that discipleship pattern of life on, and it is about people, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, let's go back to the Romans now, unless there's sure. something else you just want to share about your personal life with everybody out there. Well, <laughs> I will say, like, I... I get credit, and I really do appreciate what you just said, but I feel like that I get too much credit for knowing how to do this and being good at it. I feel like I sort of fell into this along the way. Part of my story, I wasn't raised in church, and through my experiences even in student ministry and then working at the Heights even now, I really feel God has shaped me towards I have the idea of community and groups, which is what, for me, Sunday Sermon was a big passion project for me, but then also this idea of truly replicating uh, my faith in someone else. And we can talk about why that matters, but I, I don't feel like I have it figured out. I don't have a one-size-fits-all kind of model of what I think we need to do, but I do feel very strongly that God has called all of us as followers of Christ to be able to fulfill that mandate. And I, I think you said it well, there isn't a one-size-fits-all. Like, you've actually been tasked with almost an impossible task because you said it's not it's not a program, it's people, and there's not a perfect program out there. There's right. also not perfect people. Right. But uh, uh, I think that's the hard part of your job is it, and around here it has become, you know, that's just a flippant word to say organic, but it really has become an organic Correct. movement that if you look, uh, the groups that, let's take Sam, for example, that he started, he started with four or five and those people have four or five, and he has now what he calls grandchildren in that discipleship pattern. And, and that's a hard thing to try to get under control, but you're not, you're not trying to control it. You're trying to help it and Correct. help it grow. It's like a fire. Like yeah. we, we want to put the pieces in place so it will 
you know, burn. And then eventually it's going to take off on its own and then you can't control it. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what we hope happens. Um, so, yeah. and every discipleship, like every person is a little bit different and needs a little bit, but we do believe around here, everyone can disciple somebody. Yes. yes. The, the easiest way I describe it is that discipleship is an art, not a science. So a science says, if you do it the same way, the same time, it'll, it'll always end up the same way. And I guess the challenge for anyone listening is who are you discipling? Correct. Who are you discipling? And it's one thing to be in a life group. We're asking for another level of commitment, another level of discipleship, basically. Sure. And and we can talk more. I mean, we're going to have to about what that looks like. We don't have time on this podcast. But going back to the sermon, what I feel strongly about is that I don't think you will ever make disciples if you're not in community. Okay, so let's go with the question that was sent in. Uh, in what ways have community groups around here, we would call those life groups, just to kind of distinguish the life group and the discipleship group. Now, your life group could be a small group. There's a couple variations of it, but we'll call it a life group. In what ways have community groups been a help to you in your Christian life? Sure. Um, this is why this becomes a passion project for me. I, I mentioned it a bit in the sermon, but I was not raised in church. When I became a believer, I had a small group of, of people. There were specifically two men that invested their life into me that showed me how to do the things you're supposed to do, how to read your Bible, how to pray, how to tithe, uh, all, the, all that sort of stuff. When we moved to Texas... It was, I joked that it was my first adult job because I'd worked with kids before. We, we didn't know anyone. We didn't have anyone. And I remember rolling up, literally hitting 635 and 75 going, what do we, what do we do? And this sort of fear of, I don't, I don't have a friend. I don't, I don't know what our church means when it says vestibule. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to sign up for something. And I remember the very first Sunday uh, that, that I was there, I actually came in that Sunday for an interview, was not even on staff yet. And there was a guy in a small group that saw, that, that was leading a small group. He saw me walking around with Chris Havard, me and my wife, and he immediately walks up and goes, hey, do you need a group? Our group meets right over here. We do this. We'd love to have you. Then, as we get sort of integrated into the church, the last few years personally in our family have been pretty tough, and I shared it Sunday. Um, In 2018, I lost my mom to cancer um, and went back and and did did the funeral. In 2020, uh, my wife lost her dad. That was in February. In July... She, I'm sorry, June, she lost a cousin, and then in July, she was diagnosed um, with, basically, they found 11 pounds of tumors inside of her, and so she had a surgery that means that for us, we will never have kids biologically. The following March, my dad died uh, fairly suddenly, and so all of that was kind of boom, 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 in the midst of COVID, and for us to have a small group of people that uh, I, I this this story got cut out of the sermon, just for the sake of time. But I'll never forget we had a our small group that we were with showed up on the a couple of days before Sam's surgery, 
And all the women had given her a, like, basically, it all brought something. They had a, a basket of things. And this was, hey, when I get frustrated, this is what I do. And it might be a puzzle. It might have been a... Uh, a coloring book. There was somebody had several handwritten notes of this is what I'm binge watching on the following shows. Here's my favorite snacks. And so all of it was a, a group of folks who were saying, we don't necessarily know what it's like what you're walking through, but here's how we handle stuff here. We, we want to do this for you. Um, another person in our group said, I'm not going to cook you a meal. That's the good Baptist thing to do, right? <laughs> is to cook a meal. They said, I cannot cook, but what I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to come clean your house. And so what was bizarre for me where the rubber meets the road is I came home from work that day um, and this person had came and cleaned our kitchen and folded our laundry. And I called her up and I said, did you, did you fold all of the laundry? <laughs> and they said, yeah, you, you folded my underwear, <laughs> you, you know? And, and I realized, wait a minute, we have, we have now entered a new level of relationship when somebody in your small group will come fold your underwear for you while you're at work. Yeah, that's a. That, it feels when someone does clean your house like that. It it's kind of. I don't know if you've had, ever had your feet washed, but it's that weird. They've seen parts, and and it's just weird. It, it, well, and it's it is real life of who you are. But that right? is community, uh, and so and so to so th- walking through that was like a light bulb moment. And I know we we might mention it at the end, but. Um, I don't want to miss this moment and say, how can someone specifically a small group life group, uh, not mentioning D groups, that's a whole different thing, as we said, but how can someone get in that community? What are some ways that they can do that? Is there a place they can go, someone they can talk to, anything like that? If they're here at our church. Sure. Yeah. And if you're at our church, number one, um, get in touch with me. That's part of what I do. You know, Rob Bauscher and I are in uh, on the group's team. And so we are primarily responsible for trying to get you connected. Uh, a little bit of my message, the reason I said that Christian community had to be pursued, provided, and protected is because I do believe relationships have to work both ways. So in one sense, You've got to show up. You have to make a an, uh, sort of a, an effort on your part to get connected. And if you do that, like whether it's getting in touch with someone here at the church, getting in touch with me, uh, you can easily email me at ben at firstmckinney.com. Like we will begin to help connecting, to connect you to someone. Then the other half of that is I wanted to make sure we challenge our church that we have a lot of people around us that are not involved. And it can be difficult at times to remember what it's like to be a guest. Speaking of, you've now been here two months, uh, and it didn't come in in these words, but what are some things in the past two months you've discovered that's unique about our church or, or things like that, some insights? <laughs> I think it was a staff member that actually asked that one, but yeah. Yeah, I. it's a great question. I love the familial feeling of First McKinney. First off, I believe that all strengths can be weaknesses, but one of the things that drew us to McKinney is when you think 150-year-old Baptist church, we have generations of people, and and I remember the, the 150th celebration, and you're seeing basically three generations on stage singing and praising God, was pretty cool to be able to see, like, hey, I want to be a part of that. I heard of our pastor, Sam, before coming on staff. I had heard of several of the other staff members uh, before coming on staff. And so there was a desire for me of, man, I want to be on this team. 
And I do feel like uh, it is, it's an easy group to work with. Now, there are always challenges in churches, but I, so I love our staff, but I've also really love our people with, you see, there's a great level of spiritual depth and maturity to the average person at First McKinney that, uh, again, is pretty astounding to me. And just some logistics, how long did it take you to figure out what the connection was? Oh, man. Or do you uh, even what know that? what that is? No, it... it I learned or that the last next week. Steps, next steps room. So I clarified all of that last week because I, I went to one of our staff members and said, okay, now at the end of the message, I'm going to talk about what people need to do. Where do they go? What is the right? What do we call this? Um, so, yeah. And that's the thing. Every church has their, you, you said vestibule, which is a hard word for me to say, but uh, you, you had those. We don't have that one, but we have the porter cashier. Which is what the God bless co- you. the covered drive? Yes. Um, okay. So you said conflict staff, and I don't want to miss some of these questions, but uh, this is very specific. But Paul warns us to look out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. I think that was verse seventeen and eighteen, bringing it back to your sermon, but or seventeen and ni- through nineteen in life or in our group, how do we avoid those obstacles? So. The, the other part of that verse is, he, is Paul says to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. To me, the key phrase is contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So at the base level of what community should do, Christian community, I believe you have to make sure you are teaching sound doctrine. Now, what I said in the message when we're thinking through what that looks like, I mean, because we could do a whole message on that alone, but that is some pretty harsh language that Paul uses when he says, avoid those people, in essence, that are causing disunity in your church. So if you start to think through, what are the things that causes disunity? And at the end of the day, every every issue stems from, hey, I, I want what I want instead of what God wants. And I think the, the ways that we protect what we do, number one, is that those that are in community in our church, they have to be in God's Word personally. I mean, at the end of the day, we have a tendency, if we are not careful, to, to, to bring things into the church where we are the ones that will cause uh, the, the, the obstacles. Insert relationships, yes. not just church. Yes. We have a tendency to bring those into relationships. Yes. But yes, the church. Yes. And so we have to be very careful. But if we are close to God personally before we ever step foot in the church, we th- that is a way that we can protect to make sure we are not creating divisions or obstacles. Because if, in, at the end of the day, when I really want to pursue what God wants, okay, that's, that's a big thing. The, the second thing is that those folks in our community, let's be honest, not only are they pursuing God's Word personally, but, but God's Word corporately. So, so that means when we do come together, what we do with God's Word matters. And I think that's the distinction in a life group. You know, back in the day, or a previous church, we called them Bible fellowships because the fellowship part of hanging out, but then also the Bible part. And, I, and so a life group, when you think about that name, the idea behind it is to give life. So we not only do life together, but we give life with what we teach. So we're, we are together, but also God's Word has to be championed in what we do. Wow. I think uh, we're running out of time here, but I I did 
what I got from your sermon. I just wanted to tell you, uh, and it's it's really not just your sermon. It's when I read a list of people and someone's describing each person in there, uh, and I went and read someone else who wrote this too. It's how would Paul describe you if he had to write a letter about you? You know, every time I hear that, and that's not where you went, but how would Paul describe you? And not a question for you, but uh, I do want to, just a question for the audience out there. Uh, and if you have an answer, you can text question 96123. No, uh, on a serious note, uh, want to look ahead to next week and then give you the last word. I we I mentioned it earlier, Sam is going to uh, kind of hit the doxology uh, Romans 16, the very end of it, and then we're going to be moving. It's also a Disciple Now week. If you're listening to this uh, during the week uh, before Disciple Now, make sure you take a moment and pray for all the students. And then McKinney Christmas is right after that. We have some special service times uh, for McKinney Christmas. And then we move into our Christmas series. We're going to be looking at the book of John, uh, and it's called Born. It's talking about all the reasons why Jesus was born, born to save, born to uh, bear witness, all those kind of things. And then looking ahead into the new year, we'll be moving into the book of Mark. We'll keep you up to date on what is happening with the podcast and where we go from here. We might take a little bit of break as we go into uh, the Christmas season. We'll see how that all works out with the holiday season and Thanksgiving and everything. But I did want to give you the final word, remind you to like, share this podcast, all that kind of stuff. Make sure if you do have a question for any of the sermons, say you listen to one of the ones passed by going firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Text that into us, question 96123, and I'll get Sam or someone else to answer that for us. Uh, but I think that's what we got, Ben. I'll give you the last word as we head out for the day. Well, thanks for letting me be a part of this, and I will close with one simple idea. One of my passions is that I don't want a single person that comes through the doors of First McKinney to feel like they don't have a place. And so... There is a place for you here, and if you are listening to this or if you know someone that does not have a place, I encourage you, reach out to me, Ben at First McKinney. We will do whatever we can to get you connected up because there is a spot for you to belong here at our church, and I love what we're doing, and I love what God's going to do as we move forward. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.